Want to wrap up this Friday night. Um, It's no mystery these days that mental health has become a huge concern in this country. I think we're aware, much more aware of the devastating impacts of mental health issues these days. Um, There's still a lot of stigma around it, of course, but we are becoming more aware of what the consequences are, what the impact is, and perhaps how to better uh, cope with it. That being said, according to a recent poll by the Canadian Mental Health Association, Ontario, a quarter of all people in Ontario were seeking mental health support uh, last year. That's a huge increase uh, over the year before, uh, and, and definitely a major increase over a few years back. So people are perhaps becoming more aware of it. They're also reaching out for more help. One gets the impression, um, but their you know demand for services has surged as well in the wake of the pandemic. Long wait lists, not many affordable options. Therapists stretched thin. Um, you know, it's been it's it's been rough. And of course, a lot of people report turning to stuff such as cannabis and alcohol and tobacco more so now than before. And we know that it's a growing crisis. I didn't realize this, uh, but depression is is the leading cause of disability on the planet beyond health care and so beyond heart attacks and so on, cancer um, and mental health disorders are the leading cause of disability on the planet. Now, we have a lot of treatments to offer, right? Um, we treat the symptoms. We don't really obviously struggle to understand the causes and how to treat those. We treat the symptoms, but even those treatments, and there's so many of them, fail to work for far too many people, don't they? I mean, I think we all have intimate contact with mental illness in our lives. Many of us do, and just how much of a struggle it is, um, and how few good answers there are out there, how few treatments there are out there. Now, there is no magic bullet here. There can't be. Um, we continue to search for for an answer. Uh, But in the end, there is a fairly simple question. What causes it? What's behind it? And there are lots of theories out there, of course. But my next guest, a psychiatrist who teaches at Harvard Medical School, argues that mental disorders are metabolic disorders of the brain and believes that understanding that could connect the dots of mental illness, that there is a link between different mental illnesses and physical illnesses as well. They're often so interconnected. And that by looking at it this way, we could answer some questions that have long plagued the mental health field. Joining me now to explain is Dr. Chris Palmer, again, an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He's author, also author of a book called Brain Energy. Dr. Palmer, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. This is a really interesting question because I'm not sure. I mean, we talk an awful lot these days about mental health, but I'm not sure we stop to think of it in this way, which is... Um, Treatment has proved incredibly difficult for for an obvious reason that you sort of provides the starting point for what you what you what theory you posit here. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, as a Harvard psychiatrist, this is something I have been painfully aware of for my entire career. And you know, most people hear the the story about we have evidence based treatments for mental illness getting help for your mental health will help you. And I don't necessarily want to detract from those messages because I do think getting help can be powerful and important. But if you take a close look at the real statistics, the majority of people who get treatment for mental illness, meaning more than 50% of the people are not getting all the way better and staying all the way better. And if you think that this is too pessimistic, 
the reality is that mental disorders are not the leading cause of disability on the planet. And it's not because people aren't getting treatment. It's because our treatments don't work. Yeah, I was. You, you mentioned that it, it was more prevalent than heart failure, cancer, back failure in terms of, of, of debilitating uh, results. Why is that? Are, obviously, we know how to treat the symptoms to some extent, but as you point out, a lot of those happened by mistake, our ability to find out that certain um, medication worked to some extent. And also there are no cures, right? This, the, things do not go into remission. That's exactly right. Most of the pills that we have to treat mental illness were actually all discovered by serendipity. So the first antipsychotic medication that we commonly use for the treatment of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder was actually an anesthetic medication um, that they noticed really sedated people. And they thought, well, maybe that would be helpful for people with psychosis. The first antidepressant was actually an anti-tuberculosis treatment. And although those discoveries were important and useful because they decreased symptoms They're not addressing the root cause of the problem. And without addressing the root cause, we're not curing people. And again, unfortunately, we're just not getting people all the way better and keeping them all the way better. So where have we gone wrong? I mean, maybe wrong is the right word, but if... if, if Clearly, we're not. uh, There's something we're missing. What what is that? And you and you've looked at this for a long time. What what are we missing? I think the thing that we're missing is fundamentally understanding what exactly causes mental illness. So, if you ask some of the leading psychiatrists and neuroscientists right now that question, what precisely causes mental illness? The prevailing answer from the best of them is that no one knows. The brain is just too complex. And although we know some of the factors related to mental illness, things like neurotransmitters or genetics or hormones, trauma, stress, substance use, all of those things seem to play a role, but nobody can figure out how they all fit together. And no one knows how those things end up affecting the brain and resulting in symptoms that we call mental illness. And so without understanding the exact cause, we haven't been able to identify more effective treatments. And, and, and you put forth in your book that metabolism, something we I don't think I've ever associated with, with mental illness, uh, incorrectly, no doubt, I'm not a doctor, but that metabolism, it, that there are pathways here that link a lot of this and that we've that we should really recognize that. Yes. So I am posing a bold and audacious new unifying theory that puts together all of these factors, that helps us understand the connections between neurotransmitter imbalances and hormonal imbalances and epigenetics and inflammation, but also the psychological and social factors, the trauma, the stress, adverse childhood experiences, drug and alcohol use. Metabolism, in fact, is the only way to connect all of these dots. And once we connect the dots of mental illness, that mental disorders are in fact metabolic disorders of the brain, it leads to entirely new ways to not only understand the problem, but also entirely new ways to treat the problem, ones that I believe 
come with the hope of long-term healing as opposed to just reducing symptoms. We so often think of metabolism as simply the creation of energy, right? And we think of metabolism or, you know, metabolic issues we associate with, with, with physical problems like diabetes, for instance. How does it play out in, in the brain? So metabolism is fundamental to the function of all of the cells in the human body. It it involves the production of energy for those cells. It also involves the production of building blocks that get used to maintain or grow those cells. And it involves the management of the waste products of those cells. But at the end of the day, metabolism is critical to the structure and function of cells. And when you see that big picture, you can actually start to make sense of why do areas of the brain become dysfunctional? Because that's essentially what a mental illness is. It's not people having normal reactions like depression or anxiety for clear and understandable reasons. A mental illness is when people are having depression for no good reason or more severely when people are having hallucinations or delusions. All of those represent the brain malfunctioning, or at least parts of the brain malfunctioning. And I am arguing the only way to understand that malfunction is by understanding the big picture of metabolism. Dr. Chris Palmer is with us this half hour. He's an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, author of Brain Energy. We've been looking at the link that he has looked into um, between metabolism and mental illness. Uh, We've talked about how treatment for mental illness is often treats the symptoms, not the cause, how we're have, you know, remission is not usually something that happens even with existing treatments. Um, and perhaps because we haven't recognized what causes mental illness. And that's a huge, obviously an issue that people have spent many, many years researching and billions and billions of dollars trying to figure out the answer to. Um, metabolism is what we've looked at here, uh, or what Dr. Palmer has looked at. So in that sense, if if we believe that a lot of that mental illnesses are linked, so we shouldn't be treating them separately, and that uh, physical il- illnesses are obviously linked to these as well if metabolism is your is your sort of pathway to all of them. One of the beautiful things about this theory is that it helps us understand connections that we have long known exist. We have long known that people with mental disorders are more likely to develop all sorts of physical illnesses, things like heart attacks, strokes. They're more likely to develop obesity and diabetes, They're more likely to have chronic pain disorders, migraine headaches, all sorts of physical conditions. But to date, nobody's been able to connect them because we assume that mental disorders are in the brain. And of course, a heart attack isn't in the brain. A heart attack is in your heart. So how do those things connect? Nobody's been able to figure it out. The beautiful thing about this theory is that metabolism connects all of it. And for people who don't know just how big of a problem is, let me just share a statistic. People with all mental disorders across the board, on average, die early deaths. On average, men are losing 10 years of life and women are losing seven years of life. A lot of people think those statistics are due to suicide. And yes, people with mental disorders are more likely to kill themselves. And so that does play some of a role in those statistics. But the number one cause of death in the mentally ill people is heart attacks and strokes. 
And we need to do a better job of addressing the root cause of mental illness, because at the same time we're doing that, we might save these people's lives. You must, I mean, anytime someone, as you put, puts forth a, a bold new theory, you must have doubts yourself about where where questions remain. Where do questions remain in this in, in this idea of this linkage? There will definitely be questions on some of the specific aspects of my theory. Why does one person have OCD and another person has depression and another person has schizophrenia? I have actually done my best to make that understandable and plausible. But do we have the granular science to prove all of it at this point? Not really. But the beauty of creating a unifying theory and a bold, audacious new theory is that it gives us the tools to answer those questions and to explore those types of questions a little better. You know, there are some issues I I went through and tried to identify, you know, why do all of the current treatments work? And one of the clearest examples is like electroconvulsive therapy, where we shock people's brains. Why does that work? You know, right now, the, the field says we really don't know. We're not sure why that treatment works. An obvious answer is that electricity is related to brain energy and brain metabolism, and that it probably is improving brain metabolism in clear and obvious ways. We don't really have that research done in humans yet to prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt, but those research studies would would be very easy to do. So I think that brain energy sets out a new path of exploration to either confirm or refute or refine this theory so that we can get closer to the truth and much more importantly, so that we can restore people's mental health and restore people's lives. It would certainly change the way we treat mental illness um, fundamentally. It will. And the beautiful thing about this theory is that some of the treatments are obvious and available today. So some of the treatments are as simple as dietary strategies coupled with exercise, coupled with managing your sleep, maybe reducing your use of substances like smoking cigarettes or excessive use of alcohol. And that if we put those all together in one comprehensive strategy, we can help people recover from mental illness. So what next, Dr. Palmer? What next for for this theory? And what next um, in terms of, of what you would like to see with this research, done with this research, including for yourself? You know, I think the, the most immediate next step is I'm hoping to start a national or even worldwide conversation about mental illness and mental health and how it does fit with metabolism. Because again, this theory is bold and audacious. It's based on decades and decades of research. So many aspects of this theory are really irrefutable because they've already been demonstrated with existing research. But I am in particular passionate about once and for all overcoming the stigma of mental illness, overcoming the 
kind of inequalities that we have in treating people with mental illness. You know, mental disorders are still highly stigmatized. It can be next to impossible to find a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist. People are on wait lists for months or sometimes even years trying to get treatment. And then when they do get treatment, the treatments often fail to work. People with mental disorders deserve so much better. And I want this research to galvanize people to once and for all stand up for the mentally ill and demand more research funding, demand better access to care, and demand more effective treatments. Yeah, it feels like we were still very much at the beginnings of trying to understand uh, something that has been with us for so long. We are, sadly. And the most tragic part of that is, you know, I see these people day in and day out. Mental disorders can ruin people's lives. People can be tormented by mental illness. And the fact that we're not making progress for them, I feel it is unconscionable. We need to do better. Dr. Palmer, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing your thoughts on this and for explaining um, the, the, the idea behind brain energy. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me on the show. 911.